case you haven't yet heard, I am so thrilled that I have finally released my book. Reclaim Play is now available on Amazon.com. And Amazon.com do quite a lot of worldwide shipping. So if you're not in the US, you may still be able to get your hands on it. However, if that's not the case and it does not ship to you, don't worry. First of all, we are working on additional options. And second of all, we will be releasing the audiobook and the Kindle versions very, very soon. Meanwhile, I want to say a huge thank you to every single one of you who has pre-ordered, ordered the book at this point. It is now fully live on Amazon and published. And I am so, so grateful because thanks to all of you, we have driven it up to number one in several categories, including parenting babies and toddlers, which is just so incredible and so gratifying. So thank you. Writing this book was a long process. And today I actually want to share five lessons that I learned during the process of writing this book all the way through to its publishing that I think are highly relevant as parents as well. These are lessons that are you could take with you to a project that you're working on, like writing a book or like starting an organization or trying to complete some kind of art uh, that you're working on. But also I want to tie them in to how they have influenced and affected my parenting as well. This is HiFam. I'm Avital. Welcome. I'm here because I love to look at all sorts of areas in my life, uh, all sorts of areas in my education, uh, whether it's running a business or my fitness and health or time management, and see how these can actually intertwine and interconnect and inform my parenting as well, myself as a parent, running a family, my relationships with my loved ones and my marriage. I think reading parenting books and marriage books, those are great. But what's also interesting is opening our minds when we read other types of materials, right? Whether it's a business training or, as I say, fitness and wellness or history, um, and thinking how those can make us more effective parents, better parents, more confident parents, etc. So today I'm going to do that. I'm going to kind of apply lessons learned from a completely unrelated realm, writing and publishing a book, and share how I actually borrow from those and apply them into my life as a parent as well. One of the first lessons that I learned from four years of writing a book while juggling motherhood was that it's really important to embrace flexibility. Many of the business coaches, the writing coaches, uh, the teachers out there will teach you the importance of actually, you know, boundaries, of rigidity, of having clear-cut rules for yourself. It's the idea that you might go down to a cabin and write every morning for two hours, you know, come hell or high water. It's the idea that you would set yourself a clock and write, uh, you know, according to the clock. It's this idea that you could somehow create something hermetic, something predictable, uh, something reliable, something protected from the hurricanes of day day life. Now, whilst that sounds romantic and disciplined and robust, like that's a, you know, powerful and strong way of, of getting something done is being this, you know, this machine, this powerhouse, this uh, clock. Um, it's also very much in that masculine energy of day to day uh, predictability, right? And I think of that a little bit like the sun, right? The sun rising and setting every day in this predictable manner, uh, that 24 hour cycle. And the reason I say it's masculine energy is because that is what the 
the symbol of masculine energy is. It's the sun, right? It's getting things done. It's predictability. It's reliability. It's doing things to the clock. It's the task list. It's the to-do list. Um, it's also reflective in male biology, right? That kind of hormonal reset every 24 hours. Whereas in female biology, we have our monthly cycle. Uh, there are waves, there are weeks that are where, we're, where the moon is waxing and weeks where it's waning. And things are not uh, reliable from one day to the next, but they do come in these kind of cycles, uh, these kind of uh, maybe 30-day-ish cycles of higher energy, lower energy, better focus, less good focus. And actually embracing that feminine energy, that flexibility, uh, that spontaneity, that flow, that uh, attunement and sensitivity to my energy levels, to what's going on around me, uh, to what I'm capable of today. That's actually something that was very present when I was writing my book. I never had this strict and, um, you know, uh, predictable and disciplined approach where I'm going to sit down every day and no matter what, between 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. I'm writing, right? That just isn't me. That's just not how I'm wired. That's not how I've ever gotten anything done. Um, even things that I'm highly committed to, like my workouts, right? Working out several times a week. Uh, they're, not, you, they're not something you could time your clock to, right? They're not something uh, that is quite as um, reliable and consistent and formulaic or uniform as that, right? Uh, they change, right? Sometimes I have higher energy. Sometimes it's a run. Sometimes it's weightlifting. Sometimes it's yoga. Sometimes it's a rest day. Um, I, I find that being flexible and being um, open to what's coming up today, what's real, what's possible, what am I really feeling? What am I able to do today? What, you know, how can I perform today? That's valuable too. So I'm not making the suggestion here that we should just follow our feelings. If you know me at all, you know that I really don't think that's a good plan. I think that there's a lot of things that we need to do, even though it's uncomfortable, even though we don't feel like it, even though maybe it's not the right day for it, or we, you know, we don't have the energy for it. And it's kind of just, you got to get it done anyway. I definitely have that masculine energy mindset about many things. I definitely don't think we should just always be asking ourselves, well, how do I feel about this? Because often I just feel like I just want to sit on the couch and do nothing, or I just want to binge Netflix, or I just want to eat potato chips. And maybe these are all things that I actually ultimately, you know, don't want. And kind of that definition of discipline being trading something I want right now for something that I want later and more, right? Something that I want more than the, than the immediate instant gratification. That definition of discipline is something I really relate to. So I definitely believe in delayed gratification. I definitely believe in predictability and consistency and commitment. But there was this lesson here that flexibility and spontaneity and attunement and awareness, self-awareness, um, these are all uh, ways of getting things done as well, right? Look, unexpected interruptions and challenges, they're a given when you're a mom, right? And you you have to embrace flexibility. You learn to adapt and to make the most of the pockets of time that you do get, whether it's during nap time, whether it's after bedtime, in those rare moments of calm, or if you read the book, while your children are playing independently. Um, and that's actually just side note here. You know, it's a point of real pride for me because the book was written with integrity. I really did write 
huge chunks of it as my children were playing independently right next to me. So it really is thanks to independent play that I was able to write this book. That's something that I advocate for and that I teach because I think it makes parenting so much easier as it has for me. It really has allowed me to get my things done. It's allowed me to work out. It's allowed me to have deep conversations with my husband. It's allowed me to have a nap if I need one. Um, It's allowed me to do my housework, my emails, and yes, write this book in those pockets of time. Um, So Embracing flexibility as as moms, as as dads, as parents, there's chaos. Uh, there are dramas, and one of the mantras, if you're a member in the the HiFam studio, then you've heard me say this many times. But one of my mantras is do it with the drama, and this comes from a question that one of my students asked me. They said you know, Avital, I'd really like to say, read a book before bed, or I'd really like to have a family dinner, or I'd really like to take my kids on an outing or homeschool them, but there's so much drama. How can I do it without the drama? And the immediate answer and mantra that popped into my mind as I answered that question, and that has stayed with me as a very powerful mantra in my parenting, is that you do it with the drama. Who said you get to do it without the drama? You don't get to do it without the drama. You don't get to do anything without the drama. That's not a given. That's not a promise. There's no guarantee for that. There's no expectation for that. You have little kids for crying out loud. (laughs) There's going to be drama. There's going to be crying out loud, right? And that's something that I embrace, right? And then I have to kind of do this magical dance around that, right? I have to do it with the drama. Okay, now there's a tantrum. Now I get a pocket of break. Suddenly my kids are immersed in a mega game of cops and robbers and I get to really write a whole chapter. Uh, I I have this huge hit of inspiration and I want to write something and I start writing, but then I get interrupted because someone is having a tantrum and I need to stop writing. It's not convenient. It's not predictable. uh, It's not that reliable, disciplined writing, but through flexibility, we can actually get all of our things done, right? We just have to change our mindset from that expectation. And that expectation comes from a world that's the nine to five, right? A world that separates families from work, a world where we expect to have a hermetic, sealed, silent, uh, retreat, say, to do our meditation, right? No, I do my meditation with my toddler climbing all over me. I do my writing whilst I'm being interrupted because that is the life that you live when you're a parent, unless you want to just pause all of your uh, self-development until your children are 18. The second lesson that I learned writing a book over four years while juggling motherhood was that consistent effort really pays off over big leaps. I think a lot of people who see businesses that flourish or founders that suddenly, you know, break through or people that manage to complete a project like writing a book, they think that there was some kind of big breakthrough moment, right? They think that someone got a break, right? Like, oh, what was your big break? Did someone discover you? Did someone give you a leg up? Did a publisher make an offer to you? What happened? And it's tempting to think that you need these big leaps, you need these big breaks, that you need this big block of time, uh, that you need some kind of big opportunity um, in order to make progress in whatever it is that you're making progress in, right? It's tempting to think uh, that there's some kind of big key that you have to discover to unlock whatever next step you want to take in your life. And it's tempting to think that with kids as well right? Like I know that I have been struggling with one of my children's behaviors for years. And I always kind of have this tempting, you know, 
cognitive fallacy that says, oh, you just need this big thing to unlock, right? It just needs to be the right friend or the right teacher or the right uh, therapy or the right book that you read or the right punishments or the right sticker charts or whatever it is that's coming into your mind. It's tempting to think that you need some kind of big break in order to get the results that you're seeking. But I have found in every area of my life, in my fitness, in my marriage, in my parenting, in my business, in writing this book, that short, consistent attention, right, uh, can lead to significant headway over time. Putting a little bit of effort into warming up your relationship with your kids every day, putting in a few minutes into igniting a bit of passion or love between you and your partner, putting in a few minutes into stretching and working on your flexibility or into core strength uh, or into cardio. These things accumulate. They compound over time. They do make a difference and they actually make big results in the long run, right? And the key is to keep chipping away little by little. There was never some retreat that I went on to write my book. There was never some, you know, holiday where I suddenly had all these hours a day. There was never a big break in my business that freed up more time. No, I didn't even have a break, you know, having babies. Um, Four years ago, when I started writing this book, I had four children and I've had another one in the years of writing it. And so, things, if anything, got more hectic. We've moved countries in that time. We've been through, you know, lots. The world's been through a lot in that time. So that a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of stress and a lot of hustle has happened. Um, and the big break kind of never comes. You actually just have to take those steps. You actually just have to take one step and then the next step and little by little it moves forward. And I found that to be true in many things, like also homeschooling my kids, you know, teaching them to read, teaching them social and emotional skills, teaching them to solve problems, teaching them to wait, to be patient, to be kind, uh, getting them to sleep properly. These things all happen in this kind of gradual but consistent, relentless way. And the key here is to be really, you know, (laughs) a really relentless mofo, right? Like you're not giving up. You're going to keep clawing your way back. That's how I feel about my fitness. Like every time I fall off the bandwagon, like, oh, I didn't work out this week. I didn't feel good. I, you know, I was sick or whatever it was. It's like, no, I'm not going to give up. I will never give up. I will go back, right? I will go back and try again. Even if it's a little bit, even if it's just one minute. One of the other things we say inside of the studio membership is one minute is better than zero minutes. If I do one minute of mindful breathing, one minute of cutting with my child or of roughhousing or of reading them a book, that is a lot more <laughs> than zero minutes. And that actually makes a difference, right? If I did one minute of writing every single day, that's 365 minutes of writing a year. That actually adds up to something. The third lesson that I learned over four years of writing a book while juggling motherhood is that self-care is really essential and that no project... Um, especially not motherhood, is worth self-sacrifice for. I mean, let me kind of unpack that a little bit or wind that back. We do sacrifice as parents and we should sacrifice as parents. Raising children does require sacrifice. It's a sacrifice, I hope, uh, that you, like me, are doing willingly and uh, if not gratefully and gleefully, at least, you know, on some profound level, it, it feels like the right thing right? It feels like the right thing to be putting our energy, our resources, uh, to putting ourselves second in some ways to our children. So yeah, we do make sacrifices. However, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Motherhood requires mental energy. So does writing, 
right? And when we prioritize self-care, whether it's a short walk, a quiet moment with a cup of tea, rejuvenating sleep, these ensure that you can give your best to whatever it is you're working on, to your projects and to your family. And so I think uh, as women, as mothers, we're often going to be putting ourselves last by way of habit. Uh, We're going to be kind of bending over backwards, twisting ourselves into a pretzel, um, depleting ourselves, giving the shirt off our back, (laughs) whatever other metaphor you want to throw in there, but giving more than we've got to give. And I think that's really unwise. So when you want to take on a project like writing a book, often people will kind of go all in and stay up all night and, and you know, you know, chug down the caffeine in the hopes of getting her done. And there's, you know, there's some merit to that. Okay. A little bit of hustle here and there. That's, that's good. But it's so unsustainable. And I'm very in the camp of living a sustainable life. So if that means going a little slower, but having time to sleep properly at night, uh, having time to eat properly, having time to treat yourself like a human being who actually needs their energy levels and needs their focus needs their sanity. Um, I think that's the winner, right? That's the better path. And that's absolutely the better path when it comes to motherhood, right? There is no excuse uh, for leaving it all on the table when you actually have to be there to show up again the next day and the day after that and the day after that, and hopefully into motherhood and then into grandmotherhood, right? We would like to be able to show up, I imagine, for the rest of our lives. And so, You need to take into account not only yourself today, but as Jordan Peterson says, yourself in all your future iterations as well, right? You need to take care of future you as well. So when you're engaging in a project like writing a book or in a project like motherhood, you really need to make sure that you keep fueling up that tank and that you are working in a sustainable way. The next lesson that I learned was that it's incredibly important to receive support. Um, this is something that so many of us struggle with. We live in a hyper-individualized society. We kind of really, you know, worship at the altar of individualism. We worship this idea of the self-made man or woman. Um, we think of ourselves as mini superheroes. Oh, I'm superwoman. I I can do all the things. I've got all the things, right? Um, and I'm going to balance everything and I'm going to do it by myself. And I have to say, whilst I love feeling accomplished and competent and I really like to be independent and yes, I like to do for myself as much as I can, I also fully recognize that there's not really such a thing as a self-made man or woman. We all uh, rely on other people for many different things, right? Even as basic as relying on the farmers who farm our food and the delivery people who bring it to the supermarket um, and that type of thing, right? There's just, there's no one who really is self-sustained completely. We are social creatures and we live in a network and there's a reason for that. And we actually need each other. And that's a beautiful thing. And I think many of us, mothers and women especially, have this kind of self-sacrificial aspect, not only in the realm of self-care, which I've already touched on, but also in the realm of interdependence with other people, not being willing to rely on others, to outsource, to delegate, to barter. Um, and that's something that I learned in a really you know, good and profound way in this book, because writing a book was not particularly easy for me. I don't know if it's easy for anyone, but it wasn't easy for me in the sense that, you know, I come from a culture where books are, are quite holy objects, right? There's something sacred about, uh, about a book and that you you really only put pen to paper and only make all of that effort and and write something and then, you know, bind it, print it, publish it, uh, distribute it, ask people to spend their time reading it if you have something valuable to say, uh, if it's worth the paper that it's printed on. And that kind of was a bit of a 
insecurity or a cloud over my head as I, as I was writing. And even now, right? The question of, is it justified? Is it worthwhile? Is it a good read? Um, you know, and that was one level where I needed help. And I got the help. You know, I, I actually employed a book coach in the beginning who helped me to focus myself, who helped me to get clear on what this book was. Because, you know, I think I have about five or six books in me and I wasn't sure which my first book was going to be. And it ended up being very much focused on play because that has always been the kind of first step that people take with me on my kind of student journey, right? It's always starts with getting our children playing because once they're playing, it frees up our minds to start focusing on other things like our family culture or like our marriage. Um, And those are things that I teach further down the line. Um, and, and so that was the first book. And I received this help, this guidance, this focus from this incredible book coach. But then there were other people that were involved, right? There was my editor, for example, right? Which, you know, obviously is a, is a, a well-known position and people understand what an editor does, but you really understand the importance of collaboration, of teamwork, of receiving other people's gifts and zones of genius, of being willing to pay for these services, of being willing to reach out, of being vulnerable. You know, it's not comfortable sending someone your first draft where you think, oh no, there are going to be mistakes. Uh, they're going to be things that they think are not well written, that type of thing, right? So there's this vulnerability, this authenticity, this, you know, kind of uh, relationship that you enter into with other people. And then there's my designer who did a phenomenal job. And there again, you know, I'm a graphic designer by trade. It brought up all sorts of imposter syndrome. Like, why are you hiring a designer? Why can't you do the design? And the realization that I have too much on my plate and I won't get it done properly and I don't have the bandwidth. And maybe she has the eye and the perfectionism and the attention to detail that I'll never have. And I would love to work with her. So just receiving help is something that has been a great lesson for me. And I think it's so relevant to parenting, right? It's so relevant receiving mother's help, receiving a babysitter, household help, a virtual assistant, help from your partner, help from your parents, help from your neighbors. Um, Really realizing that you have a zone of genius. You have those things that you do where you need to shine uh, that you can do for other people. These are the acts of service that you do. Like, look, for me, putting a book out into the world, It's for myself, of course, but it's also something I'm trying to do for others. But then I also need the support of other people in order to make that happen. And that's true in our homes as well. You want to put on a meal. You want to host people. Can you receive help from them? Can it be more collaborative? Can it be more of a team? Can you be more open to the great things you can produce, the great results you can get when you open it up to other people helping with you? The final lesson that I learned Uh, in writing this book over the course of four years was to celebrate small wins along the way. And this is, again, something that I teach often inside of our membership and something that we practice as high famers. We celebrate wins. Um, You know, writing a book is a monumental task and so is motherhood. So is parenting, right? It comes with its own set of daily challenges. It it can feel like a grind. It can feel like a never-ending road. And you absolutely need those small milestones along the way to be recognized, to be celebrated. Similar to writing a book, it's something that you kind of do in the privacy of your own home. Uh, When you're a parent, when you're, you know, moving along through the day and, you know, feeding your kids and bathing your kids and helping them prepare for school or homework or whatever it is that you're doing with them. No one's there giving you awards. No one's there paying you. It's something that you just have to keep coming back to and keep showing up to with, you know, a certain level of energy and gusto and commitment. But acknowledging the effort that you're putting in, acknowledging where things have improved, uh, that can 
really bring you that boost of motivation that you need, right? If you write a book and you think, oh, the book's not done at the end of each writing session, you're really making yourself feel, you know, just the the, the despair of the, the, the size and the gravity of this task. But if you say, oh, wow, I did another paragraph. I did another sentence, right? That's enough to motivate you that, yep, I took one step forward. I think often in parenting, we can actually lose sight of our, um, of our progress. You know, if you were working in a nine to five, or maybe you are, then you probably get some kind of report, some kind of feedback where your boss or your team or your clients give you a sense of how you're doing. And there might even be things like bonuses or, you know, just pats on the back and team high fives and celebrations when things have gone well, when you've done a good job. Inside of the home, as parents, we have to do this for ourselves. Or if you're taking on a project like writing a book, you have to do that for yourself. Uh, You have to be willing to look at the ways you're succeeding. So let me ask you right now, what are those ways that you are succeeding? Where are the places that you need to pat yourself on the back and say, you know what? Yeah, we've come through that really well. It reminds me of a client of mine who came to me for coaching a few years ago and told me about her son's biting problem. He was biting other children and it was just awful and terrible and very, very not good, right? <laughs> she was very, very upset and said how 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 horrific this behavior was and how, you know, there's nothing she can do can improve it at all. And I asked her, can you describe how it was a year ago? And it turned out that a year ago, it had been far worse. A year ago, he was biting almost every day, almost every time there was a play date. But now when she was talking to me, it was about once a week. And I said to her, wow, so you've gone down from seven days a week to one day a week, and you're saying you haven't made any progress? And it was really one of the first times she ever stopped to think about that, that yeah, that was progress. Yes, he was still biting, and that was terrible and difficult. And of course, it needed to be addressed. But that's a win. That's, you know, that's a win. You've just minimized the impact and the the magnitude of this issue. And it's going in the right direction. The trajectory is good. The graph is good. And we don't see those graphs. We don't get those reports on how we're doing as parents. But you need to make them for yourself. And that's something we do inside of the studio. And we really notice how are we advancing? What are we doing differently? Uh, are we, you know, reaching our goals? Where are we falling short? That's also interesting, right? What is challenging us? We've got to set those realistic expectations. It's great to have ambitious goals, but it's really important uh, to set realistic expectations to break down big tasks into small chunks, right? Adjusting timelines, being patient with slower progress, right? And reducing our undue stress to ensure that we enjoy the journey, right? Enjoy the journey. And I think that's really ultimately the lesson here is to enjoy the journey of creation, Uh, I enjoyed creating this book. I enjoyed sitting down and illustrating it and writing it and, you know, seeing the initial copies and testing the paper and all of that stuff. And I want you to enjoy your journey of parenthood. I want you to enjoy the day in, day out. It's not easy. You have to keep coming back to it. Sometimes it's a bit of a thankless chore. Uh, Sometimes uh, it's really just putting in those small consistency consistent efforts every day and there are no big breaks or big leaps or big breakthroughs. Um, But when we keep showing up, when we keep putting one foot in front of the other, when we keep doing just that next step, then we can and will achieve really magnificent results in the long run. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hi Fam podcast. And if you did, I would love it if you could share it with a friend. 
And don't forget to order your book, Reclaim Play. Go to reclaimplay.com to get all the links and your special bonuses that come when you order the book. I would love to hear if you enjoyed this episode and if you enjoyed the book, make sure to leave a review. Much love and I'll see you next time on HiFam.